Now, that guy's name was Roland Stewart, and he was actually, uh, you know, uh, things didn't turn out too great for him. Later on, he sort of went off the deep end, wound up in prison, um, but he did make the verse famous. More recently, a guy named Tim Tebow, anybody remember this guy? He wore John 3.16 on the glare strips that he wore on his face. He became well-known as a Christian athlete while playing for the Florida Gators. When he knelt down before games, it was to honor God. Now, we don't have any In-N-Out burgers here. Uh, have any of you ever been to an In-N-Out burger? Oh, wow, we've actually had some people that have been to In-N-Out burgers. Um, they originated in California. Uh, you might see some in some Western or Midwestern states. But if you ever did find one or have a chance to eat in one, look at the bottom of the drinking cups. There you will find printed the words John 3.16. Now, I would bet that some of you ladies have been forever 21 shops. Anybody been to a forever 21 shop? Okay. See, some of the same hands went up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I think they have some stores in Jacksonville, Raleigh, and Durham. Nothing uh, too close here. But if you have ever shopped there or you do in the future, make sure you look on the bottom of the shopping bag that they give you because there you will see printed John 3.16. It is an iconic verse of Scripture. It is the gospel in a nutshell. It reminds us of the higher love of God. And we need that reminder because in this world, there is so much sorrow and strife, hatred and discord and division. Many people feel disconnected from God for whatever reason. Some don't feel loved at all, either by their family members or their, their community, much less by God. And while many people uh, feel abandoned in life and lost, John 3.16 reminds us that God does indeed love us with a higher love. Now, this study that we're in, in the book of John, we've entitled New Heights. In classical Christian art, the Gospel of John is depicted by the symbol of an eagle because John's theology is considered to be lofty. It's like he flies closer to the sun, S-O-N. We are going to be looking at a handful of those lofty thoughts as we continue in this series that will lift us out of the mundane up to new heights. And today we're reminded of the higher love of God. And I want you to remember this, friends. God's love for you is higher and deeper than any love you will ever experience in life. Anywhere. From parents to children, from spouse to spouse, from friend to friend. God's love is higher and deeper than any love you could ever imagine. And John 3.16 reminds us of that higher love. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
John 3.16 tells us that God's love is higher because it is universal. He so loved the world. Now the world is not talking about the physical planet, but it's focusing on the inhabitants of the planet. Humanity, mankind, those created in God's image. Now often the word world might be used to describe the ungodly, people that belong to the world but not belong to God. We read in Romans 5, 6 through 8, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a powerful truth. Talk about a higher love. In truth, we are all sinners, right? We've all been in that ungodly category. So if the world is referring to that, we've all been there too, right? In Romans 3.23, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one can claim to be without sin. And so when Scripture says that God loved the world, it's not just referring to the people that are good and righteous people, it is referring to all people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in fact, we know that none of us are truly good and righteous in the sense of perfection. This is the highest form of love because it does not depend upon our perfection to receive it. Isn't that good news? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm glad to hear that. God does not require us to justify His love before He gives it. In fact, God gives us His love before we become better people. It's often hard for people to understand that kind of love. Maybe one reason is that we use the word love for a lot of different things. Maybe this will help illustrate what I mean. I polled the staff. We're going to play a little game this morning. We're going to see how well you know your staff, okay? And I asked them uh, for three things that they loved and one thing that they don't. So I want you to be able to pick out the one thing that they don't, all right? Uh, so how well do you know your staff? Think about Cruz. Now, Cruz says he loves superheroes, right? Chinese food, movies, and social media. Now, which of those do you think does not belong in the Cruz Loves list? All right, some of you are saying Chinese food. Somebody said social media. How many say Chinese food? Raise your hand. How many said social media? Raise your hand. You're the right ones. Okay. Social media. So don't come at, don't come at Cruz with social media. Okay. <laughs> All right. How well do you know Denise Nash? Denise says 
group texts, coffee, watching kids play sports of the Florida Gators, Mr. Tim Tebow. Uh, so uh, what do y'all think? Which one of those does not belong on the Denise Nash <laughs> group texts? How come she keeps sending them? That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right, how well do you know me? All right, um, Tim loves golf, the Tar Heels, spinning wheels on a laptop, and Diet Dr. Pepper. Which of those does not belong in the Tim loves list? How many of y'all would agree with me on that? Spinning wheels on a laptop, no fun at all, okay? Now this is uh, Dean, uh, our office manager, and these are the things, Duke, books, movies, video games. Which of those do you think Dean does not love? Somebody said video games. I, did I hear Duke? Did I hear Duke? All right. How many say video games? Raise your hand. How many say Duke? Raise your hand. Hey, he, hate, uh, he hates Duke. He's not a Duke fan. He, he's, a, he's a Tar Heel fan. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, Lance, all right? Last but not least, Lance. Uh, <laughs> see, this is very confusing here. Lance, does he love Ghostbusters? Does he love UNC? <laughs> does he love Asian food? Take him out to an Asian restaurant uh, and make sure that it has some Carolina stuff on the table. That'll make it. Uh, or Duke. Yeah, he loves Duke. He can't stand Carolina, uh, which, you know, everybody can't be perfect. You know, he, he just can't be perfect. But so it sounds like you guys know Lance pretty well. Several years ago, uh, some of the deacons, I don't know where they got the idea, but they had a Carolina plate, a uh, license plate, and they stuck it on the front of Lance's car. He didn't even know it. That was nice. Okay. I don't know where they got the idea. I don't know. But we speak of loving things, like I love Carolina, I love golf, I love pizza, you know, all these things. We define love as a feeling or an emotion or something that we are attracted to or like. But God doesn't define love that way. When we think about the word love and we see how that word is uh, brought to us in the Greek, which is where we get the New Testament, we see that there were four different kinds of love. And the word used to describe God's love for us is, as many of you know, agape. Agape is unmerited or unconditional love. This is not just a feeling, but it is an action. You see, having that love causes action, and it is love in action. Love is not just how we feel, but what we do. And friends, you can't earn God's love. He gives it because that, that is who He is. It is God's nature to love. And that is what caused him to make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now, you can find a lot of people who love you because you love them. You can find a lot of people that will love you if you can give them something. If you can give them something in return. But God's love for you does not depend upon you. It just is. That is who He is. And regardless of how far you have lived away from God, He loves you. 
Regardless of all your failures, He loves you. Regardless of all your sins, He loves you. Regardless of where you live, regardless of whether you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, God loves you. I would say this is a higher love, wouldn't you? You are His creation, and He loves you even with all your faults, even with all your failures, He loves you. Now again, I'm, going, I'm dating myself here uh, because I'm going back to an old song that was long, a long time before many of you were even born. But this song was released in 1986 by a guy named Steve Winwood. Anybody, anybody remember that name? Some of you old codgers here would remember that name. Uh, Steve and a guy named Will Jennings wrote this song. And Jennings explained that the song had a, an underlying spiritual meaning. He said in an article, My earliest memories are of the music in church and of my aunts and uncles singing the beautiful old hymns. Higher Love, the name of the song, is a generation past that, when things are not so much taken for granted so that one has to plea, bring me a higher love. And the lines are all trying to explain why there must be a higher love. And he concluded, higher love is a modern hymn. So you tell me, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing the lyrics. I won't do that to you. But I, I'm going to read through some of the lyrics. And you tell me if you don't see the spiritual meaning behind them. Think about it. There must be a higher love. Down in the heart or hidden in the stars above, without it, life is wasted time. Look inside your heart, I'll look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere. In this whole world, what is fair? We walk blind and we try to see, falling behind in what could be. Bring me a higher love. Where's that higher love I keep thinking of? Worlds are turning and we're just hanging on, facing our fear and standing out there alone, a yearning, and it's real to me. There must be someone who's feeling for me. Things look so bad everywhere. In this whole world, what is fair? We walk blind and we try to see, falling behind in what could be. Bring me a higher love. I could rise above on a higher love. I will wait for it. I'm not too late for it. Until then, I'll sing my song to cheer the night along. Friends, yes, there is a higher love. It is the love of God for a sinful and rebellious world. John 3.16 tells us that God's love is higher because it is a sacrificial love. He gave of Himself. He gave his son. This is the good news, isn't it? This is the gospel that although we don't deserve it, God loves us so much that he gave himself to save us. The highest love is always willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. Think of the sacrifices people make in life. If you think of different people, parents sacrificing for children, 
Someone listed 10 sacrifices parents make. Time, emotions, money, relationships, personal life, freedom, social life, career, food, desires. All of these things are things that parents are willing to set aside for themselves for the benefit of their children. The author said, the more I go through parenting, the more I owe an apology to my parents. <laughs> How many of you feel that way? <laughs> Maybe spouse to spouse, we see sacrifices being made. I was talking to Teddy Booth. Uh, this past week, a former elder here, he and his wife Brenda moved away quite a few years ago, but she was diagnosed with cancer several years ago and had to go through seven chemo treatments, 33 radiation treatments, and 24 immunotherapy treatments. And Teddy was at each one, sat with her through the hours. After the third treatment, the doctor told Teddy she would not make it to Christmas. But praise God, this Christmas will be two since he said that. But Teddy loves his wife so much, willing to do whatever he can to be there with her. And I know many of you are the same. I, I also saw uh, Mike and Jackie Brown this past week, and Jackie, a steady presence in Mike's life. Mike right now is on hospice care, so keep them in your prayers. I think of how children love their parents and sacrifice for them sometimes. You know, sometimes when parents get older and really can't care for themselves, many times it is the children who become the caregivers. And some of you have been in that position. Some of you are taking care of your parents. Have you ever read the old hymn, The Highwayman? Anybody remember that? Another old thing. I keep bringing up old things today. But the poem tells of an adventurer who robs coaches of English aristocrats. And this daring highwayman is in love with an innkeeper's daughter. And by night, when the coast is clear, he goes to the inn and he courts her. The authorities, court means sort of date, okay? Some, some of y'all don't, that's not going to court, okay? It's not, not a legal thing. But the authorities learn of the romance, and one twilight before the highwayman arrives, the British soldiers arrive to the inn, and they tie the innkeeper's daughter up so that she can't warn him, and he will believe that the way is safe. And then, lest she try to scream out to warn him, um, the soldiers gag her and they tie a musket at her heart so that it will fire with the slightest movement. The highwayman comes riding, riding, riding to see his love. And unaware of the muskets that wait to cut him down, the highwayman gallops ever closer to his destruction. She hears his horse's hooves coming down the lane. The soldiers cock their muskets nearer to the arms he loves, nearer to his destruction. The highwayman comes riding, riding, riding. And then, just as he is about to enter musket range, a premature mature shot rings out, warning him to turn back. The highwayman reins in and turns his trusty steed and races off as the frustrated soldiers shoot a futile volley. 
All the muskets fire, but only one found its mark. The one true shot was from the musket that fired the warning. The musket aimed at the heart of the innkeeper's daughter. She warned him at the expense of her life, and the warning was the expression of her great love. Now, friends, that, that's a story, you know. But the cross is truth. And it stands both as God's ultimate warning of the consequences of sin and as the greatest expression of God's love for sinners. If God did not love, He would not so graciously warn. The cross is the fatal cry of a Savior to those He loves to turn from what will do them great harm. That, again, the highwayman, a tale. But as they say, real life is even more incredible. Here's a true love, story of love and sacrifice. Some of you may remember uh, in August of 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from Detroit's airport, killing 155 people on board. One survived, a four-year-old from Tempe, Arizona named Cecilia. News accounts say when the rescuers found Cecilia, they did not believe that she had been on the plane. Investigators first assumed she had been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway onto which the airliner crashed. But when the passenger register of the flight was checked, there was Cecilia's name. Cecilia survived because even as the plane was coming, falling out of the sky, Cecilia's mother, Paula Chacon, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, and wrapped her arms and body around Cecilia and then would not let her go. Nothing could separate that child from her parents' love. Neither tragedy nor disaster, neither the fall nor the flames that followed, neither height nor depth, nor neither life nor death. Reminds you of something, doesn't it? Such is the love of our Savior for us. He left heaven lowered himself to us, covered us with the sacrifice of his own body to save us. So when you think of God's love, you think of sacrificial love. You think of a higher love. He loves you so much that he sacrificed his son for you. And one last aspect of God's love that I think we can consider from John 3:16, we understand God's love is higher because it is purposeful that we might have eternal life. Everything God does has a purpose. And his purpose is to have a relationship with each one of us and every person on this planet. The next two verses after John 3.16 explain that purpose further. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Friends, God's desire is not to crush us or condemn us. His desire is that we have life with Him 
for eternity. The truth is that all who don't have a relationship with God are already condemned. We are condemned by our own sin. Our choices condemn us, not God. He has done all He can to save us and also give us free will. His purpose through Christ is to reconcile us to Himself. You may remember Romans 5, beginning in verse 9. Since we now have been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. To be made right, to be reconciled. We were enemies of God, and through Jesus, we can now be a part of His family. Even when we were ungodly, God loved us. Even in the midst of our sin, God loved us. Even when we acted as His enemies, God loved us. And this, my friends, is the highest form of love. God's purpose is to draw you and all mankind into Himself. If people could realize the love God has for them and what they are truly missing when they don't have that relationship, maybe they would come to accepting. I read this story uh, there was a man who was a good husband and dad. He loved his family faithfully, was always around, steady, and he took care of them. He had great influence, even if it wasn't realized, and that influence was central in everyone's life. But his family didn't fully appreciate the scope of his love until one day when they found his journal. And upon opening it, they could see the backstory of all of their memories. Their happy experiences were intricately planned and carefully executed. He even reflected upon how glad he was that he gave his wife and children such joy. When they could see the backstory, these previously hidden details in the journal, the family was filled with a new kind of appreciation and love for their dad and husband. They were welcomed into the quiet place of intentional planning and loving execution. They could see how they were central to everything he had done. Thumbing through the journal, they realized his love for them engulfed their entire experience. Now the Bible is exactly that. God's journal to us, revealing to us that God has been involved in every experience of life. It's as if the children of God are permitted to thumb through the journal of their heavenly Father. Reading through it, we find out that the experiences that we enjoy so much were carefully and intricately planned by our Father. 
God has set His love on His people before the foundation of the world, and He carried it out in real time. God has revealed His highest love for us. His love is universal. His love is sacrificial. His love is purposeful. Remember, God's love for you is higher and deeper than any other love you will ever experience. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for being love. You show us how to love universally, sacrificially, and purposefully. Help us to love others as you have loved us. And Father, I pray that we will not push away your love, that we will not push you away, but that we will cling to you, that we will hold on to you, that we will seek you out in our life, and that we will worship and adore you every single day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.